0: Hi, this is John Leahy, host of Airing It Out, files from Leahy's broadcast booth. I wanted to take a moment and thank you for tuning in to the podcast on a weekly basis. I truly appreciate my great audience. I'd also like to encourage you to consider subscribing to the podcast. We're on Apple and Spotify and virtually any place where podcasts are heard. So if you like the content, please consider subscribing. I appreciate it once again. Thank you for tuning in, and I hope you'll enjoy this week's episode. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the latest edition of airing it out files from Leahy's broadcast booth. I'm John Leahy. Thanks again for being with us here on the podcast this week and also every week. And, uh, Last week, we had a very brief episode. I just wanted to update you on some things that are happening, some exciting things happening in the very near future. I did a live show at this time last week, and I'm still working on getting the audio ready for distribution. There's a learning curve with the piece of equipment that I'm using, so I appreciate everyone's patience as I try to figure this out between games and uh, getting a little bit under the weather so i appreciate your uh, patience and understanding there uh, before we get started this week i'd like to just remind you that we have a website for the podcast it is located at leahy l-e-a-h-y all the episodes that we've done are on the website there's a search function you can type in any name uh, related to any episode that we've done, and uh, all the episodes are there, so you can go back and listen to any of the episodes that we've done. The website has a lot of cool features. Uh, it's got a video section. Anytime I record some music up to YouTube, uh, that gets posted to the website. There's also a blog there that I update from time to time. You can also leave a rating for any particular episode from either zero to five stars, or you can leave your own uh, personal Uh, review as well and as well you can leave me a voicemail if you notice on the website there is a purple microphone at the lower right hand corner of each page so if you would like to drop me a line and uh, give me any comments or suggestions or feedback I will welcome it all and I will respond to any and all messages. So uh, that's once again at storytelling.com Also, please feel free to check out uh, my new and upgraded website. It's at com, And the podcast directs links directly uh, to the website. And also, please consider subscribing to the podcast if you like the content. We have new episodes that come out every Wednesday, and we're on Apple and Spotify. And if you go to the website, that'll tell you exactly where we are located, and if you'd care to subscribe. Well, we have a fun episode this week. Uh, joining me... On the podcast this week is an old friend, an old colleague, who I worked with for the Comcast Television Network many years ago, and he's a really unique guy, and he does some uh, play-by-play for equestrian sports, horse racing, and I'm really excited to bring in my old friend, Jerry Girardi, is here with us tonight. Jerry, thanks as always for being here tonight.
1: John, it's a pure privilege to be part of this podcast, and, as a, and thank you for the opportunity, as, and as our Dear close long time personal friend Jesse Venture would say the pleasure is all yours, <laughs> <laughs> but the it's pleasure. It's seriously, a pleasure, but it's, it's my pleasure too. Thank you, John, for this opportunity. And uh, um, yeah, I will definitely elaborate on the um, the play by play of equestrian sports and um, and among among the other stuff uh, that I've been privileged uh, to have done for. Oh my gosh. Uh, uh, we call next year will be 35 years yeah it's crazy
0: yeah well i'm glad you brought up jesse ventura because we are going to touch on a couple of wwe things at the end of the program because i know that Excellent. you're you're very much uh, a fan uh but let's start off jerry with um your horse racing skills and uh, your abilities as a horse racing announcer it's a very unique niche we we've never talked about uh, equestrian play-by-play here on the podcast so you know we always always have a tendency to talk about the, uh, the big sports, baseball, basketball, football, and hockey, but we never had a, a, a person, especially someone as skilled as you, who uh, is so well-versed at uh, equestrian announcing. So let me start by asking you, Jerry, uh, where did your love of horse racing start?
1: Well, the love of horse racing started in the spring of 1988. Um, it was interesting. Uh, I was 13 and a half years old. It was me, a good buddy of mine, my mom, uh, my uh, late uh, grandfather on uh, my mom's side, God rest his soul. And uh, we had nothing to do. We, uh, we uh, the, the weather was nice. Um, we couldn't afford a Red Sox game. Um, so we were looking for some very good uh, – Entertainment. We love sports. Uh, my my uh, like my late grand like uh, grandfather Papa Bob. I, I, uh, that's what I would call him. Uh, he, he would talk to me about the many times he'd go to the track. Uh, he would play combination tickets. A combination ticket is a win place show bet on a horse um, in a horse race. And so uh, and then uh, my my good buddy his his stepfather he was a he he loved the horses himself so. So we were in Castle Island, Southie, and uh, and so we weren't too far from. Unfortunately, we're gonna call it now the now defunct uh, Suffolk Downs horse track. Unfortunately, it's a memory now, John. Yeah. And um, and so hey, let's go to the track. Let's go to Suffolk Downs. And so so uh, and, and and Suffolk Downs. their one of their slogans back in the day was like uh, the most action two dollars can buy. I remember that. So, yeah. Uh, and so I said, I said sure, it's, it's, it's a practical no-brainer. Yeah, let's, 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 let's all go. So – we find, and, and I'll tell you, back in the day in the, in, in the late 80s, um, it's interesting. They closed in 89. They reopened in 92 for another 27 more years afterwards. But uh, getting back to my first trip there, so we, we found a parking spot, so good – decent sized crowd uh not now back in the 50s and 60s John back in the back in the heyday they were on a, this was an, this was on a Saturday they were they would get big crowds like 10,000s 20,000 something like that um so the crowds um i would say was about 7,000 strong which which wasn't too bad um so we we found a decent parking spot we get we 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 get we get inside the place and i'm and so i get in there and I have always loved announcing of all of those sports. And I'm greeted by this very powerful yet friendly baritone. Welcome to Suffolk Downs. And and yeah. uh, and that was that was the voice of the late great Jim Hannon, who was the thir- the track announcer of Suffolk Downs from 1969 to 1989 a legend in thoroughbred racing the horse racing announcing great guy big jim as he was affectionately called uh had the p- 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 pleasure to meet him many times uh um great announcer um one of the definitely one of the greatest uh, track announcers of all time uh we'll talk about him um in, in a little bit he because he he's had some famous calls in his career in fact he was almost he was almost um he he was I, I think he was offered to be the announcer of Churchill Downs, home of the Kentucky Derby. But he 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 was he was a Danvers guy. He was a New England guy. He he did the circuit of Delaware. He did Rhode Island. And so when he when he when he got to Suffolk Downs, he was close to home because he he, he he said you guess what, this is this is this is this is my home and uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna settle in here. And but that voice that just. Oh man, that just that that got me hooked. They, they talk about getting hooked uh, on gambling and such, but I'll tell you, I I was hooked on the announcing and I loved the action. But Jim Hannon, that that voice was was just so powerful. And uh, from that point forward, John, I've I've never looked back with my love of horse racing. And uh, I had the privilege of calling the, some r- r- horse races on Facebook from 2017 to 2019. At Suffolk Downs, I can. I also do some calling here and there for, uh, on occasion, like f- for Facebook fans. Um, I, I practiced some race calling at, at Suffolk Downs in the early, of uh, the late '90s, early 2000s. We'll talk more about that. But, but th- there was that spring of 1988, hearing Jim Hannon's voice, going to Suffolk Downs for the first time, and I said, you know what, this is. Uh, This is this is Nirvana. This is definitely this
0: is great. Now, you know, for those who are outside of New England and Boston, we should just um, uh, let people know that Suffolk Downs was the the spot to go for horse racing. It was located uh, in East Boston, uh, right near Logan Airport. And Mm -hmm. uh, anybody who (laughs) wanted to see a great race would go there. Now, you you you'd been there. Uh, observing races, and as you said, you got a chance to call some races at Suffolk Downs. What was the experience like for you when you actually got to call a race from Suffolk Downs?
1: Um, great question, John. Uh, so, so I did some practice horse racing announcing up at up on the rooftop of Suffolk Downs, and and that was like in the late nineties uh, and early two thousands. Uh, Jim Hannon wasn't uh, the announcer. Um, he so the announcer during that period uh, was a gentleman by the name of Larry Colmas. Now, Larry Colmas would go on to be the voice of NBC sports, horse racing coverage, the, the triple crown races, the Derby Preakness and Belmont, plus the breeders cup. And he's been that he's been the voice of NBC racing since 2011. And Larry, um, was in his late 20s early 30s and he he was a seasoned veteran himself and so they allowed me to practice like the horse racing uh announcing I didn't get a chance to, to do the any any live calls over the public address system at Suffolk Downs but I was able to um, do a lot of uh a race calling uh for my benefit. And then I would, um, I would get some of those opportunities like in social media later on to call those horse races. Now it's interesting up on the rooftop, uh, I had no, no monitors. So I I relied on binoculars and also in, and when you, when you go to the track, you get a program. Now, the thing about the thing about preparation too to call a horse race is like, uh, like before, before the race starts, you have the post parade where the horses come out on the track, and uh, there's horse of uh, the jockeys wear different colors representing the owners. Like, see if there's a ten, see if there's like a if there's like a seven horse race, there could be seven different owners, so you have seven different owner silks that the jockeys wear, and also two. A lot of tracks are color coded too. Like the number, like the like the horse, like the program number will have a certain color, and that's yeah. a, almost a universal code. Like what the number one horse will, will be wearing red, the two will be wearing white, the three will, will be wearing blue, and so forth and so forth. So use that as an indicator who uh, which horse is which. So a so so use use the saddle cloth numbers, the cap colors, uh, the also the uh, the, the owner silks also if if there's a grey horse in the race if there's a, if there's an only grey horse race you mark it down the program a lot of announcers to john they take the program and a, they they actually literally john have a box of Crayola crayons or markers with them and they color the the silks next to that horse's name yeah. that correspond to the owners so so they 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 and and, and this all happens in a five five to ten minute span before the before the race starts so so announcers are, are are looking for any kind of like like uh colors on the track now it's interesting too the program will sit what will indicate what the owner's uh silk colors are but sometimes sometimes the the owners may call a a um an audible and change the colors a little bit and so you 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 want to know right then and there um like um like what, 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 uh, what are the silk colors of each of those uh, jockeys are wearing that, that correspond to each horse? Now, for the bigger races, those those colors are pretty much established, um, so there's very little change here, But, but, but in a in a race, you wanna. Um, you want you want to jot those colors down um, as you see them on the track before the race starts. That that'll probably be the best race. That uh, that'll probably be the best way of doing it. So it's fresh in your mind. Also, repeat the horses um, yep. like names o- over again. And also too, what now? It's interesting too um, to to identify the horse. Um, the legendary Tom Durkin, um, who was a tremendous, who, who retired of um, full-time racing in 2014 he came back believe it or not um, this year to call the Belmont for Fox Sports it's amazing he, uh, and he still did a great job of calling the Belmont Stakes and a couple and a, and a few other races he actually has like a device he puts it a, a, like over, around his neck it's a clipboard so the clipboard is in, the clipboard is by his chest he has the binoculars so he's always looking at those 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 numbers those colors on there so this way, this way, if he gets if he if, if he forgets the name, he can look down and it's right there, right right directly in front of him yeah. practically. Yeah. So, so so it it's an amazing thing. So and then w- when I called the races for Facebook, I I was up in the upper grandstand, had a monitor, and so I was relying on my vision plus the monitor. To, to to identify the horses try to keep a good cadence going and all that and when when they came close to the finish line i i was like not i was about 5 stories from the finish line so i i try to i try to see the finish using my vision um because and the monitor so yeah, i was like constantly back and forth between the monitor and my vision when the closest came like down the home stretch so I could, when when i saw them in plain sight so and just try to keep up uh, a good rhythm and try to try to be as descriptive uh, and enthusiastic and more importantly and most importantly accurate as possible.
0: Yeah. Now let's talk about the actual mechanics of, of, Play by play for uh, horse racing. Uh, When you're in the process of trying to make it exciting uh, for the listener or the viewer, uh, what types of things uh, are most important to describe when you're calling the race? So, what are the some of the important things that you focus on uh, to make it exciting for for your audience?
1: Oh, terrific question. So, so most races are three quarters of a mile to a mile maybe a mile and eighth so so in the early part you you want to make sure each horse gets a mention you want you want to make sure you get all the horses mentioned um, so with about a half mile to go moving into the far turn then then the pace picks up a little bit and so does the announcers um then then, then the excitement builds and then um, around the final turn, it builds even more. And you want to focus on the the front. You want to focus on maybe the front four or five or so. And then coming down the stretch, if there's like a if there's three, maybe four horses in contention, you definitely want to focus in on them. Um, you want to build that voice up you want to you and keep in mind though you want to be as accurate as possible get get that excitement going especially down the stretch in the final part of it and um and there's a great announcer um who called for many years on abc sports uh and on espn and also he did some uh horse race announcing in new york uh, dave johnson and hit when he would now i i if I say this believe it or not if i say this on the podcast John i' might get in trouble because he actually he actually copyrighted the uh, his state his 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 most famous um saying is his, his, his signature saying and uh, and that's it, it, it's a uh, down the stretch, they come in. And if he, if, if, if I said that I might get in trouble, believe it or not, because, <laughs> he, because, because, because he's got that copyrighted and because other, other announcers uh, try to do that, he goes, Hey, if you're going to say it, you know, but he doesn't, um, he says, Hey, give to my charity and all that, which is, which is cool and all that. And, and instead of like, instead of suing them, he says, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll give, give to the, uh, give to some horse racing charities, but, but, uh, that's saying when he, when he went, when he went and down the stretch, they come. Um, okay. I said, it, but he, uh, I said that was, Oh man, you knew that was crunch time. And that's when, that's when the real racing commences. And that's when the, that's when that voice level becomes, um, it's, it's, it's like, it's like, it's, it's like building that crescendo, like, like during the, during the, um, during the early and middle stages, race it's an even keel, but on that final turn and the final home stretch, that's when that's when the excitement happens. Especially to John, if, if 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 there's like a two, if two horses, three, maybe four horses are so closely contested, and um, and I'll tell you, it, it it gets so excited. And those close finishes, oh man, if if it's if if they're if they're really close. Photo finishes here. That's it's a photo. It's close. Some whor- South has a, a lot of announcers. They're they're pretty brave out there, and they really they. If if it's really close, they might call that. They might call call that close finish, um. And that takes a lot of experience. It takes a lot of conviction and confidence, and um, they they time they, and because some of those races, John, some of those horse races, they uh, they they could be dead heats, which are which is another word for tie in a horse racing when two or more horses hit the finish line at the same time. And that's happened on uh, many occasion, um, uh, like very close calls. And, and, um, so so, uh, in most cases, the announcer is pretty right. Um, few cases sometimes. So the the, the announcers, um, the announcer does make a mistake, but the announcer does cover up and they go, you know, they, they, they're, they're able to, uh, yeah, you know correct themselves but uh but yeah down the down the in the the final part of it that's when that's when uh that's when the announcer gets um really excited but keep in mind the the the, it's all about accuracy first and foremost getting those names right and 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 sometimes an error is made we're all humans so a miss um with a human element of mistake um the, the the chance of a human error does exist, but as long it, it, we I I call it the ACE I, I call it the ACE will the ACE accuracy um, I call it the um, let's see the the clarity or the conciseness and the enthusiasm trying trying to trying to sail sail a lot in a in a little time because from from the time the horses turn for home to the finish line. It's about a 20, 25 seconds. And you, you're trying to get that, um, information. You're trying to get all that information in, in a very compressed time. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, it, it's something. Great stuff.
0: Fun. Great stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, Definitely. um, what, do you talk to other people or do you talk to jockeys before a race i mean with play-by-play announcers in other sports of course we communicate with with people with other broadcasters with players with coaches or managers how does that work in horse racing do you go down on the track before uh, the race starts and talk to jockeys or people associated with the uh, sport or other commentators Uh, what types of people do you talk to
1: well, um, it's interesting too. Now, it's interesting because thoroughbred horse race calling—it's—it's it, an—it's it's an amazing fusion of play-by-play and public address. If—if—if um, if, if you do it over the uh, loudspeaker at a at a given uh, track, um, it's play-by-play. If you're um, if you're play if, if if you're doing it for a uh, TV, radio, social media, uh, what have you. Um, so, and I like when I when I uh, the announcing I've done for horse racing I I haven't talked to any trainers or or um, owners or or anything I just I would I would I would set up shop like either on the rooftop of Suffolk Downs or set up shop up at the upper grandstand um, now now where I was up at, at the upper grandstand I was like not too far away from the press box and so I would bump into uh, Jessica Paquette, when uh, when she was at Suffolk Downs, interesting story about Jessica Paquette too. Uh, she was the um, media relations person at Suffolk Downs. She was the liaison of media relations, and uh, in the 2000s um, when Suffolk Downs uh, was running, she was there to the very end. And Jessica, interesting enough is the only female full-time track announcer in uh who's working and she's working at a place called parks which is in philadelphia park and she and she has an interesting backstory herself Uh, there was a tornado in 2014 in revere east boston area uh the announcer at the time was td thornton and he was stuck in traffic and jessica actually called a race and that's how she she broke in as a track announcer and then she did some race calling in Virginia for a little bit in Texas. And, and then she, and then she became, um, and, um, because she, as a media liaison, she, she would, um, She'd be that definitely go between between the press and the track, plus also she would be the handicapper between races handicapper would like to make her selections uh before the races for the t v and the simulcast audience because the signal of the tracks would be like um all to different tracks sitting the different betting venues um and so. And so where, where, where my station was at Suffolk Downs, calling for Facebook, I tell you, Jessica, any changes, any, any, any anything different? Uh, and uh, she would tell me. Uh, w- most often, the cases of uh, pretty much everything was like, um, like, um, like all the information was on the program, and uh, and uh, and also at the monitor nearby. So I, I'd, I'd be making my notes and all that. So when I when 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 it came down, when it when it came to race time, I'd be fully prepared um so i would be 'd be fully prepared uh, to make the announce to make the call for the race so it 's a lot of self sufficiency um basically if there was a big race like I'm sh- i 'm um i know for the derby i know um the so, some uh, like like a lot of the announces would go um which would, would talk to the owners and trainers and all that, and a lot of the a lot of that information too is on the program. It's also online. A lot of sources. Are, uh, the the internet's becoming definitely a great thing. So 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 during so for those big races, uh, announcers have a lot of avenues to uh, get their preparation done too, and uh, and they'll have a good head start. So when it comes time for calling the race, they're all set. Yeah, so it, great it's, stuff. Uh, it's great. Great yeah. stuff.
0: We're talking Definitely. with Jerry Girardi. He is uh, an equestrian play-by-play announcer and a very good one. He's also a public address announcer here in New England. You're listening to Airing It Out, files from Leahy's broadcast booth. And uh, don't forget to check out the website at com. Jerry, I'd like to touch on some of your PA work. Uh, why don't we start by uh, talking about some of the uh, events you've covered here in the New England area?
1: Well, since 1989, um it's amazing. We, we, we talk about the big Powerball jackpots, Powerball, and all that. I hit the Powerball my freshman year. Uh, How much did you win? High school. A priceless uh, gig that I still have to this very day. It, it uh, n- n- not a lot of money I could retire on, but just the opportunity to, to, to be a public address announcer, and that's that's uh, that that's sitting the lottery in of itself, John. So yeah, um, it's, yeah. Ama- it's amazing. It, it's amazing. It, 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 it's My freshman year at Revere High School, Revere Massachusetts High School. Um, now, um, exiting eighth grade, I the we had the chance uh, that there, there's, there's a good. This, There was a good number of parochial schools in the area. There was another uh, public high school. like There was a regional vocational tech high school, Northeast Regional Vocational Tech. uh, That was free to area residents and Revere High School. So I go to Revere High School, and of all the math teachers uh, I could have had as a freshman, my um, my freshman math teacher, Mr. Ed Leiden, was the at the time the head coach of the Revere girls' basketball program and the girls' basketball program in the late 80s? There was, was a it was a there's a veritable dynasty for Revere. Uh, when I went when I when he became a freshman at, at Revere High, they were at the time the two time defending um old greater Boston League champions. So that's amazing, and I said, "Wow, this, this is cool." And so that's the and, gig.
0: That's the gig that you were that you were referring to that you got with the Powerball, right? The Re- Re- Revere High School. Yes.
1: Yeah. Exactly, because because where it's amazing. I, I could have had like my, my, my math teacher could have been just um, Mr. Chabroni um, or something, or Mr. John, or Johnson. We you know I got Mr. Edline, the coach. Of uh, he, I got the girls' basketball coach. Um, it was it was interesting, and and I and I didn't find this out till later on, like uh, like uh, and, uh, because the, as, as we know the girls' basketball season starts like in the winter time. So I was still it was still football season, and um, and I did a little bit of football play by play that fall. I. Uh, I was okay. I, I did okay. I did okay. I, I, I managed. I guess I survived it. Uh, but but um, anyway, um, so he he may, perhaps he knew I did some football announcing a a, a little bit uh, for the TV uh, at the time. Um, and so and then he goes and I I was I did some camp. I did some. I was part of the TV class too. Uh, Revere High School had a great TV program uh, for. Uh, as part of their high school curriculum, and uh, so he's at, at first um, I was a manager for the team, uh, for the girls' basketball team. Then he goes, Hey, you want to do some camp work? I said, Sure. My camp work was, as they say, as they say in Sicilian, John or Italian, mezza mezza. So, 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 you know. That's, and so, and then in January of '89, he um, he says, Hey Jerry, we get some we get some big home games coming up. Would you like to be the announcer? And it's amazing. Of all the students, and here's another Powerball uh, um, quote-unquote situation too. You figure he—he's he, he, probably seen. Okay, there's probably 20 kids a class, 25 kids a class. He, he probably has like seven classes a day. Out of all the kids, he, he picks me for some reason. I—I I don't, I don't know what happened. I, it's a, I said, "Wow, this is this is crazy. You know, unbelievable. You know, um, he might." I know. I know. We I know. We used to talk about basketball. We used to talk about the announcing and and living in the greater Boston area. Um, definitely had the privilege of listening to a couple great a couple great basketball announcers, the late great Johnny Most, um, voice of the Celtics. Yeah, I sound also, like, I
0: sound like Johnny tonight.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> but uh, yeah, but yeah. right. And you, of course Andy Jick is the other guy Andy you you're going to yeah. r- talk and about exactly. because he was the public address announcer for the Celtics back in the 80s yes. when they were winning all those uh, championships. And, and, sadly, and sadly, sadly, Jerry, we just lost Andy not too long ago and he uh, did some work over correct. at uh, Boston College as well.
1: That's correct, and 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 Eddie had a great cell, and also uh, I'll add a lot of third, I'll add a third great great announcer too, and, and another public address announcer, uh, the late great Joel Perlmutter of the Boston Bruins yes, too. Yes, right. Uh,
0: yeah.
1: And uh, and these are guys I listen to, and uh, I and he, and and I, I said, you know what? I love sports. I love announcing. My athletic ability is very limited, at best. And but but hey, here's a good opportunity to be in the game and 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 uh and at the same time um do something that you love and uh and uh so my so so half halfway through my freshman year halfway through the season i i start doing the public address for the girls basketball games and uh we would go on to win the um, our third consecutive Greater Boston League um championship uh, during the regular season and during that time too, John, the the athletic director of the late great Silvio Cella, uh longtime football coach, longtime athletic director at at Revere High School, he comes over to me and he he slips me a an, an A blink into my hand there. Five dollars I go go, what's the did I drop us on the phone? He goes, No, this is yours, sir. so five dollars. I said, wow, so 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 John, from that point forward I guess I guess uh I guess that 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 that, that that's uh, kickstarted my professional uh, career right there. Yeah. And and then the following year, um, my 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 salary doubled to ten a game. I did <laughs> I because because I I and 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 at the time I go, you know what? Hey, this is fun. Let me do not just the girls but the boys. Um, so I did the girls and the boys my um for my for my sophomore year forward. Um, and, and and you I got it. If you had a,
0: yeah, and and you got a nice gig in Rhode Island too that uh, you you're involved oh with as well, right?
1: It that's an amazing gig. And in fact, I, I ju- funny 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 touch John, John. I just talked to the uh, to the uh, coordinator of that today, Dave Marin um a big time basketball fan uh from Providence. He's a Knicks fan and interesting enough, but uh, uh that's neither here nor there. But he but, but well maybe it's uh, neither here nor there because he is a he a, he loves basketball. He's a pure basketball fan. He runs this national prep school invitational. Um yeah that, uh, this upcoming February will be the twenty fifth season. Um now interesting it was founded um it was co founded by um a a Revere High School alum, uh, Mike Procopio. Now, Mike graduated Revere High School in 92. He graduated in 93. Um, Mike would go on to be a – it's amazing. Mike was – he only scored four career points at Revere High School, uh, but he was a major student of the game. He was a he was a great skills coach, and among his students was a late, great Kobe Bryant, who actually called him out one time. Um, so b- – but uh, Mike – a great basketball mind found this tournament along with um, Max Good, uh, who was a who was a uh, one-time Bryant uh, University head coach. And the first the first NPSI, as it's affectionately called, happened in 1999 in Rhode Island at, at, at Alumni Hall at Providence College. Then it went to uh, Northeastern University in the year 2000. Then to the Worcester Academy in 2001, Bryant College in 2002. Uh and then you URI at the old Keeney Gymnasium from 03 to 11. And since 2012, it's been at Rhode Island College's Murray Center. And that is an amazing thing, John, that NPSI. It's a four-day event. And the NPSI had very humble beginnings. It was basically your your new your classic New England prep schools. Then it expanded a little bit down the East Coast. Then it's then it, then then we got some schools from the western part of the country, and the midwestern part of the country, then Canada got involved, and now you have teams from Czechoslovakia, Sweden, um, Europe, Um, you have NBA academies from um, like um, Africa, um, Australia, South America. John, this has become an international event. Yeah, It's amazing.
0: Yep, yeah, and you do the PA uh, for this event, and like I said, you've done it for that's twenty-five what, years. So that's uh, that's uh, very impressive.
1: Twenty, actually, um, actually, this will be my twenty-first or twenty-second. I uh, I missed the first three events at the time because I was like involved with the Emerson basketball program um, at the time, and then my my buddy Mike Procopio, the co-founder, he he saw me at Emerson. He goes, "Hey Jerry, want to want to do this event?" I said, "Sure, this it's great." And, um, so my first event was 2002, uh, I missed 2015 because I was living in the Midwest at the time and I was, and unfortunately, I, I, unfortunately, um, I was stuck. There was, there was a, there was, was a bad winter storm in the Midwest. So I was stranded in, in the Midwest. Um, I couldn't make it, the event, still went on interesting enough. And so they, they, they brought in a gentleman, um, he did a, you did a very good job. Um, I was very fortunate to get back in the swing of things in 2016, uh, 2021. Um, it was canceled because of COVID. Came back in 2022, and so yeah, this is uh, this will be like 21 years doing the NPSI and being like an international event. It's become the fun part is getting those names, those of uh, the pronunciation of those names, and that's that's rule and key um, number one of of uh, of, uh, of good public address announcing is getting those pronunci- pronunciations right down pat, uh, before the game. And it's interesting too, on my, on my sheet of the, because, uh, on my sheet there, by when he, when he list the players, I, I write them down phonetically right. and, and it's it, it, and some, and sometimes a member of the media, like, like, like a newspaper or an online, um, uh, website. If they if they're looking to if they're looking for if, if, if they're saying, hey, can you take a picture of can you take a picture of your, of your sheet for, for the names and all that. I'm going to say they're not the right spellings because I I I, I got them written down phonetically. So I said I said I said here here's a program use that instead because right. because uh, and and it's interesting too every name um every name. I, I write phonetically, even John Smith, because John Smith could be Johann smith um somewhere else. So I you, you can't assume that you want to get sure you get every name down Pat. Um Absolutely as, as, Absolutely in preparation. And my favorite I and uh you know my favorite announcing name was um I, I have I have three, but my all-time favorite name was Papai chewing Pursuth. Nice. And, and, and in nice. all my and all my years doing basketball. A story. A, a, can you tell a story about Papicha Winters? Yeah, quickly,
0: quickly, because we we got a few more quick things to get to, but quickly, yes. Uh,
1: okay, sure. So anyway, so she um, she was a great basketball player. Uh, she she uh, at Revere at Revere High. She she was our opponent. I think she she came from Waltham High School. So. And so, so the coach said, "Papai Chuang Pursuit." So I, I got it down. All right, Papai Chuang Pursuit, perfect. Then at Emerson College, uh, when I did the games there, so we, did, we, had, I did the women's and men's games there for, um, for a few years there. And so, and so, her name popped up on the program as, 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 as uh, one of Emerson's opponents, And then, and then, one guy goes, "Ha, that's gonna be a tough one." I go, "You mean Papai Chuang Pursuit?" He goes, "Whoa, how'd you get that?" I said. I called it before. So, nice. so, it, so, it hit, um, so, and, 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 and so I saw, hey, I said, you're the, I said, you're my favorite name to announce. I said, I said, I remember you in the high school. I said, oh, cool. And so, yeah. good so stuff. It was pretty cool. Good, stuff. good stuff. All right, John. All,
0: All right. right. Excellent, uh, Jerry. Uh, that's, I was going to ask you about the preparation of doing PA, but you nailed it for me. So, a couple of other quick things before we uh, wrap things up. Uh, we have to talk about the passing of Tim Wakefield. Uh, yes. who was not only a great ball player, but a great ambassador uh, to uh, charitable causes, uh, the Jimmy Fund and, and so many others. Uh, there'll be a tremendous void at Fenway Park going forward with the passing of Tim Wakefield. And I know you have a few thoughts uh, you'd like to share on that, Jerry.
1: Absolutely. Uh, he, he's definitely, um, definitely one of my top five Red Sox players of all time. Um, interesting. uh I, I'm 49 years old as, as we uh, do the podcast and I, I celebrate, I celebrate my birthday um, last month. Interesting enough. I put number 49 just as like, I'm going to say, Hey, I'm as, as, uh, for my 49th birthday without realizing um, his, his health situation. And um, yeah, he, yeah, I'll tell you his, his, his baseball abilities uh, definitely exceeded by his, uh, you, you said it perfectly his ambassadorship, uh, Definitely, our thoughts and prayers uh, with the the Wakefield family um, and the Red Sox um, nation overall. J- 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 just, yeah, just a just a just a just a great guy, and um, may his spirit endure forever. And uh, and uh, he will definitely be uh, uh, missed in the minds of. In the hearts of all of us, for sure, John.
0: Yeah, absolutely, Jerry. I couldn't have said it better myself. And he's probably playing cards with Jerry Remy in heaven right now. So uh, we send, yeah, you know, we thoughts. We send our thoughts and prayers to the entire uh, Wakefield family. Jerry, you're a big WWE guy, so I got to throw a couple of things out at you here before we. Uh, uh, wrap it up here i'm going to give you a fantasy match and uh, i want you to give me your thoughts on who would win now i want you to assume that both of these guys are in their prime mm-hmm. and uh, you give me your thoughts on who you think would win the first one is brock lesnar against andre the giant take it away
1: wow the eighth wonder of the world versus uh Brock Lesnar, the beast. Is, uh, yeah, he, the beast. The beast. Wow, unbelievable. Uh well, I'll tell you, Brock. Um, Brock is no slouch. Uh, NCAA champion, a world champion. Uh, Andre the Eighth, one of the world. Wow, the kid. The the million dollar question, John, is can Brock Lesnar get Andre the Giant in the F5? His uh, his uh, finishing move there. Right. Wow. I, I, if he can do that, Brock's the winner. But uh, Andre had the intangibles um, going his way, and, and, and as we all know, uh, Andre was like 15 years undefeated before he lost to Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania three. Um, now you said they were both in their prime. You know what? Oh wow! This this is and and, and Brock Lesnar also broke the, end of the fetus streak of the Undertaker at and yes, WrestleMania. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Wow! Yeah. This is this is tough. This is this is this. I'll tell you the lake we we talked about Grill Monsoon earlier, um, um briefly. Uh, um, I, um, you, Ma- th-
0: you think I was you think you think I was going to give you an easy one? No, you got <laughs> no, You got You got to think this about this.
1: It is, uh, and, and girl, and, and uh, let me ask. Uh, let's see, this is this is gonna be tough. I'm gonna say, wow, um, I'm gonna say, I want to say Andre the Giant. If if he, if he's in his prime, Andre the Giant. But it, Brock Liston would definitely push Brock to the ultimate limit. Um, I'm I, not I,
0: sure. I think, I'm not sure Brock could get Andre up for that F5 slam. I don't think he could do it. Yeah. But
1: He'll try though. <laughs> you you never want to
0: underestimate Brock Lesnar. You know.
1: That's so. the thing. Yeah, great, 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 great uh, question, and I, I'll, I'll So I'll you're, say, you're uh,
0: so you're going on record and picking Andre to win this match, then?
1: I'm gonna say Andre, but uh, but 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 Brock is uh, but uh, Brock. the uh, now, now that'll be interesting too. Um, if now now if Paul Heyman's in the corner. Now if Paul Heyman's in the corner of uh, of uh, of Brock Lesnar. Uh, maybe Brock might have the, the have the edge. Maybe 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 Paul Heyman might. Uh, yeah, but maybe maybe, he, maybe, maybe
0: maybe Bobby the Brain Heenan will be in Andre's corner, so that neutralizes oh, Heyman, right? Man. So who knows? It
1: would. Yep. Oh, great point, John. Oh, you know what? Bobby Heenan's in the corner of Andre. But but here's the thing though when when Bobby Heenan was in Andre's corner, Andre was on the downside of the career though.
0: Yeah, that's true. So, he was. Yep, that's true. See, uh, he was.
1: So uh, although he he was a tag team champion uh, with uh, Haku, they were the Colossal Connection.
0: But but uh, right right. So that, but, that, that, wow. that 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 that's a tough one to call. But I I would be absolutely. I would be inclined to uh, side with Andre uh, as well. Now yes. the other question I got to ask you before we wrap it up here, a WWE sure, thing is. Uh, why did Kane go out of his way to torment Pete Rose? Can you answer
1: that? I know. No, me? It, uh, no it, 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 it all happened uh, not too, uh, not too far from where we are right now, John. Uh, at 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 the uh, at the uh, at the, uh, the, fleet, the the fleet the fleet that was called the Fleet Center at the time, right?
0: Yeah, the, that's uh, right. It was, he, was at he, one at of the fourteen. Uh, one of the WrestleManias, right? So, why why did why did Kane torment Pete Rose so much? I mean, do you have any thoughts well, on that?
1: Well, here's the thing. Pete Rose was part of the Big Red Machine, the uh, Cincinnati Reds of the mid uh, 70s. The that, uh, yes. uh, that World, World Series uh, that, that, that that beat our beloved Red Sox in seven games in 75. Kane was known as a uh, Big Red Machine. Uh, so I think it was about the Big Red Machines. And, I think uh, you're right.
0: I think you're right. And,
1: uh... And 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 so uh, and it's amazing. He, he like you said, he tormented. I think not once, not twice. I think three times too. I, I think the third time. I, I now the the I, the second time it happened in Philadelphia. Interestingly enough, that was like one of Pete Rose's uh, like uh, spots along his uh, MLB career. Um, he he got um, he got um, tombstone piled driven by Kane, uh, and it was it was like revealed that he was um, he was. Um, People, I think, I think Pete Rose was in a Philly Fanatica uniform, as a, <laughs> a mascot uniform, and then the third time, it, um, I, 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 so I, I think, I think it was just a battle with big red machines, and who was, um, and may, maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe Kane didn't uh, approve of uh, Pete Rose's uh, extracurricular activities, perhaps. Uh, so. Well, lot, I, I lot think you're,
0: it. I think you're on target when you suggest that it was the battle of the big red machines, because yeah. I seem to remember um some dialogue coming from Pete Rose mm. about how the Reds were the real big red machine and how they were the yes, they were did. the they were the original big red machine and uh, and and you know it, it's it's funny that that happened in Boston because yes. as you said the Reds mm-hmm. beat the Red Sox in the 75 world series and I think that's where that whole thing started and Pete Rose was really antagonizing that crowd, and the
1: crowd, and you know, I, you know, I, <laughs> it, it, it was something. Uh, yeah, he, he yeah, he, he, got that crowd going and all that. He, he was Pete Rose was like, I'll tell you, that day, that that day in Boston, that WrestleMania 14 day, Pete Pete Rose may have, may he may have the he may have been the biggest heel that day for that WrestleMania 14 because that that Boston based crowd was. Was uh, the, the Boo Birds were in full effect that day, and then Kane said, Uh uh-uh, uh, you know, I'm going to take my home. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And then the la- and-
0: Yeah, the last thing I should mention is, and I think we're both in agreement, the greatest commentary team in the history of WWE had to be Gorilla Monsoon and Bobby the Brain Heenan.
1: Oh, God rest their souls. And uh, oh, I, I'll tell you, I I I love to binge watch uh watch uh, Bobby Heenan and Gorilla um not just not just like um when they call the action but uh like uh, there there'd be a show like every week on the USA Network primetime wrestling and they would uh be in the studio and they would be um recapping the action but uh oh and and also they would go on location to to uh to a lot of hot spots around the country they were actually at the Kentucky Derby um uh, uh, yeah, museum right, right. at one time. They were at Tony Placco's um um the restaurant in Toledo, Ohio. Right, which is um, famous yeah.
0: for uh Jamie Farr who played Klinger on Mash that was his hometown and he made reference to that restaurant on the actual show MASH.
1: That's correct, and and um, and uh, Gorilla and Bobby got to sign buns because it, there's a big wall of uh, buns that uh, a lot of celebrities signs. Jamie Farr was up, uh, his buns were up there. Burt Reynolds was the first uh, one to actually sign the buns at that restaurant. Uh, Gorilla and Bobby, um, they signed the buns, and they, they did it on camera. And oh my gosh, the Bobby, Bobby and Gorilla, oh they 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 had some they had some humorous moments there, but but yeah, they they were they were. They were infotaining i like to call them and, and and gorilla what made gorilla awesome was he um it's amazing he 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 had he he did he he called them action with a science he would mention every body part by their by their scientific name right and bobby human Bobby heenan with the with the with the with the comic relief and the and uh, and about gorilla yeah, would 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 get off a a few good ones himself too but and and in real life they were the best of friends you would never know it though because they were like a they were like that a proverbial married couple arguing uh, more often than not but behind the scenes john um, gorilla and bobby enjoyed a beautiful friendship and and then when gorilla passed away in 1999 it's interesting bobby was working for the um rival wcw um he wanted to make sure he wanted to pay respects to, to his uh to his late buddy gorilla monsoon and and I'm so glad he 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 got to do that. And 2004, when Bobby Heenan got into the Hall of Fame, um, great speech, funny as Bobby Heenan can only deliver. But the ending, um, when when Bobby uh, said in closing, "I only have one wish, and I wish uh, Monsoon was here," as he was as he pointed to the sky and he broke down, and oh my God, that you know. Uh, if that if that didn't make um, if that didn't uh, like mystify miss, miss, your eyes or. Um, I I don't know what would, but
0: yeah, it was special. It it was special.
1: It was special. Amen, brother. All
0: right, well, Jerry, we're out of time. We cut. We touched on a lot of topics tonight, and uh, I'm grateful. Thank you, John. I'm grateful that uh, you had some time to be with us tonight. We had talked a couple of months ago about uh, you jumping on the podcast, and I thought it was very entertaining. So, thanks again, Jerry, and uh, we'll we'll catch up with you down the road.
1: Thank you so much, Sean. And in the uh, words of the late, great Harvey Pack, a uh, horse racing commentator, may the horse be with you.
0: All right. Great stuff. You've been listening to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. Our special guest, play-by-play horse racing announcer and PA announcer, Jerry Girardi was with us. We invite you to stay with us. We'll have more on the podcast next week. Again, you've been listening to Airing It Out, Files from Leahy's Broadcast Booth. We will talk to you next week. Hi, this is John Leahy. Please check out my website at johnrlahy.com. You can explore the history of my time in sportscasting from my early days to the present. You can view my resume, listen and watch my audio and video demonstration reels, as well as learn about this podcast, my internet radio station, the Harbor Light Sessions Radio Network, watch my music demos, learn about my books, audiobook narration, and you can check out my event calendar. There's also an informational section with tips and tools in broadcasting, along with my personal influences and cool links. Check it out at JohnRLahey.com.